We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and Yagra people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. Yeah. Some people just emit irradiation. Yeah. Really? Huh? Are you being serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max. It's called, it's called gamma radiation. <laughs> Some people's brains just an enzyme just naturally emits it. <laughs> but I believe right. that. So, yeah. how are you feeling now? You're 29, Max. Do you have any new ailments? Uh, not yet. I just got bitten by a green ant, actually. It's pretty fucking painful. I got um, stung by a wasp yesterday. Oh, yeah? I was trying to point out its nest. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to point it out to Mandy's mum, and I was like, that's the wasp nest. And she's like, where? And I was like, that's the wasp nest. I like, where? And I like, leaned really close, and then a wasp stung me, and I was like, fuck, ow! And they were like, oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, we have a few wasp nests. No, I'm, you know, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Good. Very convincing. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All my legs are working. <laughs> no new cancer that no we know cancer. of. That's right. Everyone should get their skin checked. That's yeah, my... I've been on a I'm campaign on about that. Everyone should get their skin it's checked. It's been very effective. I feel like eight people have gotten their skin checked. Yeah, I yeah. got my skin checked and I had a cancer. So. We should start off... And yeah, dec- and um, my boss at work also And had. I made two people get their skin checked. It's like a pyramid scheme now. Yeah, it's a fucking sick pyramid scheme. And we should start a flood campaign. I don't understand why Everyone, kick back get, your skin, checks. get yeah. your skin checked. Go to Moltex, bulk billing in Brisbane. Can I don't know where... In at Brit- the very least, get a free copy of that cooked book. Yeah, yeah there's... Really good books. There's an amazing um, clinic in Carindale. We're not getting any there's type one of in Annaly as well from them. It's, but there's three of them. The Annaly one doesn't have the uh, horny books. Yeah, do. it does. <gasps> no way. I'm Absolutely. pretty sure they it's all do. The, yeah, the guy who does. owns the chain makes them put the horny books everywhere. Jeez. Okay. So yeah, you can go to to Molchex and <laughs> there's some incredibly horny books in the waiting room. Self published about like religion and sex. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound like we've like an advertising bit for Mulch. Yeah, we're not being paid by big Mulch. <laughs> I mean, it's a book billing Molchek place. So <laughs> I don't think they're getting a lot out of us. <laughs> we got our first our first sponsorship deal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah! Well, that saved my life, you know. Yeah, well, we're also. At least, is everyone here, like, certified Molchex cancer-free? I haven't yeah. done it yet. Oh, get I've off. Got, I'm going <laughs> to do it. I'm sorry, you got to right. go. I've, just, I've been busy. Mm. Go to Molchex. I'm going to do it. It's on the list. You live by the beach. That's true. Yeah. I had a melanoma, and if I'd left it for a few months, I'd been fucking cool. No, Could have no, gone the way of I'm Bob Marley. do it. Yeah, that's right. You know Bob Marley refused to have his melanoma operated on because it would stop him from playing soccer? Oh, poor Bob Marley. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should we do some content? That's oh, not a yeah. cancelable thing to say. <laughs> he said, okay. <laughs> yeah, so thylacines. What happened with thylacines? Wait, thylacine? before we should do that, who, who's here today? Oh. <laughs> uh? I'm Declan. Uh? Joe. Maddie. Matt. And Max, not to be confused with Matt. Yeah, but it happens a, a lot. It does. There's a, a generalised Matt. Yeah, <laughs> um, I spent my whole primary school contain. life being called Matty. Maddie. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. of course. That would be a pain in the ass. Are we talking about thylacines? Yeah, so we did promise our listeners that we were rebranding to be a thylacine truth of podcast. Um, and can I just say, like, the the lying fake news Hobart Museum came out and said that the pictures were not of a thylacine, but... Uh, but what were they of? Well, they would say that. Patty Mel. What? <laughs> I don't understand, like, how... It's like a little kangaroo. Is it a... Pa- yeah, like a fat wallaby. <laughs> yeah. And they're also mm. not stripy. No. I like... That's bullshit. At least a qual. Yeah. That would be believable. That's, see, that's swamp cast. That's bullshit. If they, if they were like, oh, it's, it was like, 
I don't know, a kangaroo, I'd be like, oh, it's the same size, like, that's fine. But this is bullshit and it reeks of, like, it reeks of big government. It stands on its legs, Declan. It's a cover-up. You just just see the the rump of the kangaroo when it's leaning down, like, you know, that that can happen. Like a dingo or a quoll, I could definitely go that. Nah. Stripey. Like a dog. Like, honestly, a dog. I want to see the footage because if it is just clearly a little kangaroo, I want to know what this going. That guy's video is so dramatic. He's like, "I've fucking done it, guys!" You're like, well, I- it was a great video because he was just wandering around some little um, town in Tasmania. Um, drinking a tinny and he was like we did it <laughs> um, this guy is president of uh, the I don't know Thylacine Truth Society Thal- what yeah, is it the Thal- mm-hmm. Thylacine Truth Society um, some association that is dedicated to tracking down thylacines and can we spend some of our Patreon money on joining because we yes. don't have a lot to spend yeah, it on guys well if really you subscribe point. to a Patreon we will discover the thylacine mm, this is for like to be clear, at like 50 a month, yeah. we will discover the thylacine. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's all we need. Finding the thylacine's easy. It's going to take some serious resources. <laughs> I reckon for 50 a month, I could get a patty melon and put some stripes on it. <laughs> well, you know, you could even get like a fucking dingo and like dye it brown. Mm. I, yeah, I feel I'm kind of scared of catching a dingo. A feral dog, anything. Like, go to the RSPCA, I, get a dog. I could absolutely put a pouch on a dog. <laughs> I am really looking forward to seeing this footage though. Because yeah. So apparently, I don't know whether this is true. I just saw on Twitter that they're going to release the photos on the first of March. So that's only a couple of days away. What? <laughs> what are, are the waiting? odds that he's going to kill himself in the meantime? <laughs> 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 yeah, this is this is also what happened to Epstein. Yeah, people don't know this. It's true. There's a th- <laughs> he was deep in the thylacine, the, the deep state. Yeah, he was spending billions of dollars I mean, finding he, the thylacine. Yeah. The whole like the whole sex pervert thing was just like a ruse so that people wouldn't be onto what he's really about, which is finding the thylacine. Yeah, he did kind of do a lot of questionable science. He might you know, have been. Can you imagine if like the museum got him arrested and like three days later he's like he's committed suicide in prison? He should do one of those friendly Geordie's tweets, being like, "Just to be clear, I will never kill myself, and I'm very unlikely to have an accident." <laughs> <laughs> just, what is it like? Despite what lots of people. Who yeah. are the but who are the anti thylacine people? Why are they trying to hide the yeah. truth from us? Yeah, well, the government. Why is the yeah, government it's a good trying question. to hide it? <laughs> it's the Hobart Museum. It's you know, it's full of sickos. There. Oh, well, also like the Hobart Museum. Surely the only reason people go was to see like the thylacine. A stuffed thylacine. We, were down we, we, we went there we for went that there. reason. Yeah, and yes. the thylacine like footage and stuff. Although I will say it's a free entry museum, so I'm not totally sure. Yeah, but I'm sure they, the, their grant funding <laughs> is tied true. to how many visitors they get, That's and if they, and if you know you can see a thylacine in the wild, would you go to the museum? Well, I would go if they showed me a photo of the thylacine taken in 2021. It's one of the, like... Um, would you, though, because you could probably see that on Twitter. That's also true, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the, like, my favourite things about just, like, human cultures everywhere, but the, like, concept of, like, long-lost animals and things like that. I do find myself, even though, like, intellectually, I'm like, the thylacine is not alive. <laughs> like, we haven't seen it in over 100 years. Well, you know and- what, what else is real is the yowie. Yes. I just want to confirm that the yowie... Um, which you is saw like, one, Matt. I've never personally seen a yowie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like I'm, it is real. Um, there have been recorded yowie sightings uh, all over Queensland. Um, there's one near where I live in the Gold Coast. Someone saw a yowie at Talabudgera Creek once, according to an internet website that I read once. <laughs> so the yowie is, if anything, more real than the thylacine. My ex's I really father was think very confident in yaoi's and also brought up chemtrails a bit, but also does genuinely know more about like Australian ecology than anyone else I've met. So, But the what's the yaoi meant to be? 
It's like a, it's a, a gorilla. Like a, it's a Bigfoot kind of situation. A big dude kind of thing. Like I think it's quite yowies. toxic though to pit the thylacine and the yowie against each other. There's room for both of them. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> agree with. Matt's. I believe in all these beautiful animals. I agree with Matt's take that the thylacine is real and the Tasmanian devil is fake. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was yeah, about to sense. do that joke. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Thanks, Joe. Uh, friend of the show, okay, Sean, friend. wrote something wonderful to me, which is okay. But maybe cryptozoology represents a bourgeois dissatisfaction with the meaning that society gives them, leaving with the same goal that satisfied early capitalists' desire for meaning, the quest to discover and conquer the new. They are structurally unable to be satisfied with nature as it exists. The cryptid represents an anthropomorphic understanding of nature which stamps our own feelings of, but surely there's more, because if this is everything, then what the fuck's the point? Onto the mythical unknown. But it's also possible that there's wacky people fucking around in the bush. Mm. Fuck yes, put that in an article, Sean. <laughs> Was that... Sean, not friend of the show, but like Sean, friend, friend of the show. Sean. But like Sean, he's like technically in our organising Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean, regular contributor who hasn't yet contributed. To the show, Sean. <laughs> well, he just yeah. contributed. He's an emotional he's absolutely contributor. has done cr- more for this show. Crypto <laughs> contributor, as he will. The other convincing narrative I saw was like it's a way to assuage, like it's this sort of like collective guilt about the destruction of nature yeah. and the concept that somehow like there's there's some sort of like mythical. Like nature is more resilient than we give it credit for, and actually, our destruction on the landscape isn't as bad as it like yeah. actually. Yeah, has. It's yeah. probably Species some loss type probably of isn't quite what we've made it out yeah, to be. Yeah. Actually, there's a like it's actually mystically surviving off in the bush, and you know, like exists in um like you know humans' impacts on nature is actually far less than uh, we expected in the first place. It yeah, that true. actually does sound that rings true. <laughs> yeah. One th- when you do start really trying to come to terms with the the scale and depth of uh, like the mass extinctions of the 19th century up until now. And you think about like the passenger pigeon, which there used to be like millions of them, literally millions of things. They would blanket the sky for like several days and they're gone. Fuck. Literally all dead. Um, and if you think about old descriptions of like the fishing grounds uh, where you could like walk, you could practically walk across the, the cod or if you think about it, like how many more whales there used to be and all of that stuff. Um, it's yeah, deeply scary to reflect on that stuff, and um, well, yeah, like general anxiety around climate destruction and things like that. The sort of like this massive loss. I like. I think one of the other things around the Tasmanian or the thylacine, sorry, um, is its correct name is the like idea of big predatory mammals. I don't like Australia doesn't have many of those. I've always thought it'd be cool if I was really rich just to, like cordon off a section of forest and release a jaguar into the <laughs> <laughs> Obviously to protect the other native wildlife. Like, well, do you know come. about the Louisiana hippo scheme? No. <laughs> so uh, in there was a plan in the 1920s to release hippos into the bayous of Louisiana. To do what? I don't know. Just vibe it. <laughs> <laughs> Just fuck around. Hippos in the bayous of Louisiana. <laughs> there was some the reasoning vibes. behind. I mean, mm. it didn't happen. So I think enough people in Louisiana just had that same question. Because <laughs> like, you're walking around the forest and the most you're going to see is like a wallaby, right? Like really mm. cool if like a bear walked past. Well, you they know? used to be like Australian megafauna and marsupial lions and giant goannas and before all that. the Before invasion though, right? Um, well, certainly before invasion. Uh, Colonization by like Europeans. 20, 30,000 years yeah, ago. Yeah, like a long time ago. Like, yeah. I think the um, arrival of indigenous people had something to do with wiping them out. Yeah. But, but also the drying out of the climate. Like, yeah. it's, it's like one of those contentious debates where, like... Yeah, I don't like, know. Because there's a lot of, like, like you know, mythic savage stuff about, like, like, indigenous people living in perfect harmony with the environment where, like, some people are, like, pretty reticent to, attri- like, attribute, like, indigenous people, like, hunting of megafauna to their extinction. But it also did coincide with the drying out of the climate. Like as part of an ice age, so it's mm. it's not really like verifiably true either way. Mm. 
Well, uh, we that's were final scene takes, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just that's to, the final scene content. Just yeah, like uh, final t- take. Just locking this in. Thylacine real. The ten- the Tasmanian devil does not exist. Mm. <laughs> yep, it's completely fictitious. <laughs> Come at us. <laughs> like look at just look at the the Warner Brothers character. Does that look anything like a? If anything, it looks more like a patty melon than yeah. a Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Clearly, we're going to have like, to do an emergency pod once the footage comes out so we, we can will. give our we live analysis. Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned and subscribe to our Patreon so we can track down this this very real creature. Um, okay, so I think that like the substantive meat of this episode is going to be about the job seeker stuff that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. But before then, there was an article in the Oz that was sort of created in a lab to um, upset me for us to yell about on our, on our show. Um, It's by Troy Bramston. um, And the headline is this Antipodean Jeremy Corbyn is a drag on Labor's vote. And who is he talking about? But our very own Anthony Albanese. Um, And it's basically making this absolutely insane argument that um, Albanese is some kind of Australian Corbyn. So, again, like, he's trolling us, but he's tro- trolling us very successfully. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> so riled. Really fucking works. I mean, I would 100% agree that um, he is a drag on Labor's vote. But Yeah, well, he, they, <laughs> he got that part right. It's true. Um, so, I don't know. Should we just read through it? Yeah. Have you guys read it? No. I haven't. Okay. Yeah, this is this is fresh for me. Okay. Yeah, go on. Read it out, Joe. All right. I'll get through probably some of it. We'll, there'll be a lot of anger. Um, Jeremy Corbyn would be proud of Anthony Albanese. No, wrong. I'm so angry already. (laughs) First Pinocchio. After several meetings and numerous selfies, the Australian opposition leader has adopted the same electoral strategy that the former British opposition leader pursued so disastrously. No, we didn't. I'm so angry. (laughs) Corbyn's central pitch to British voters in 2019 was Labour was on your side. Hmm. Albanese's central pitch to voters in 2019. That was always for the many, not the few. No, that was um, 2017, Corbyn. Oh, he's talking about 2019. I mean, I think 2019 Corbyn was far worse. Yeah, well, he obviously, like, the vote wasn't anyway but uh, uh, albanese's central pitch to voters in 2021 is labor is on your side so this whole article basically goes on to say that um both are going to lose badly because both pursue class warfare but would you believe that that they don't mention brexit like one single time (laughs) just this tiny little factor that may have somewhat influenced the british election result um which is why it has been completely deleted from like liberal collective memory mm. like the whole thing about the people's vote um, in, yeah, the in 2019 referendum. just did not happen. It's memory hold. So, yeah. so he says, um, you could not make this stuff up. Albanese has copied word for word the same slogan used by Corbyn two years ago. Like, yeah, you, you just said this. Well, I'm not sure what, how does this account for analysis? It's like Because they have the same slogan, somehow their political strategies are exactly the same. So it says, it goes on to say, at the heart of Corbyn's strategy was class warfare. He asked voters whose whose side they were on, seeking to drive a wedge through the electorate. Yeah, the famously unwedged electorate. <laughs> this is what on your side means. It assumes there are different sides, good versus bad. <laughs> this is like some sort of like very high level moral relativism, like postmodern argument being like, well, really, what is good and what is bad? Are they it different? assumes there are different sides, good versus bad. Like that's politics. There's other side. There's two different sides in politics. And voters must choose between them. That is, in fact, what they must do. <laughs> it's almost like when you go into the booth, you have to like choose where your vote is going. They're very destructive narratives. No, they're all. Well, uh, is he taking the like? Is he? Is this like actually an agent for us being like they're all the same? Like, like whether or not you vote for the Labour or the Liberals, they're all going to be on the same side. I like big corporations and Twiggy Forest. I mean, you could certainly take that <laughs> to its logical conclusion. 
Um, but yeah, he's just like, well, maybe not because now he's complaining about pitting employees against employers, poor against rich, consumers against business. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I love the naming of people as consumers. <laughs> his um, his strategy is Australian Labor has never won an election pursuing the politics of envy. Um, and Labor has won elections only when it sought to unite the country with an uplifting message where everyone benefits. Mm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, the what bizarre is about this is that, like, on the one hand, you have a guy who's, like, Albanese, whose leadership pitch was, like, um, literally critiquing Bill Shorten for being too left-wing and being too critical of big business and, like, the big end of town and going after Bill Shorten for using the term big end of town and then in the same breath saying that, like, big business has nothing to fear. And as we've talked before about, he's if the, the, he is, like, a British Labour Party leader, Keir Starmer. Who was like, you know, we've already talked about this in the like the one before the pod before the one two before a but recent podcast, a recent one. <laughs> How do you say two before? Anyway, um, that essentially that Albanese is promised to be a man manager. Uh, famously, I I can't imagine. How you could see Albanese refuse to say how much like the unemployment benefit should be increased and say that's exactly like Corbyn, the guy who announced that everyone should get free broadband. Like that they're, they're so diametrically opposed, it's incredible. I, I do think there's a very heavy element of trolling here, which is that if I worked at the Australian, I might very well write an article like this one because the Albanese people are gonna get super mad and then the Corbyn people also get Gonna get super it's mad, it does and you can just sit there mad. going like, <laughs> "It's amazing how successful the like the hot like the basis of right wing politics over the last decade has been to troll the left." And every single time, I'm like, "How dare they?" <laughs> and it's worked for them the whole time. Yeah, well, it kind of it's it, this article does the classic thing where you're like. I wish this person was as left wing as you seem to think they are. Like he goes on to say um, that. Uh, um, Albanese's supporters were also known as Bolsheviks and the Socialist Left. They had close links with the broader left, including the Communist Party of Australia and People for Nuclear Disarmament. Um, and he says that in in Labour Party factions, Albanese's strident winner-takes-all factionalism began in Young Labour and carry through to the broader party and then the National Parliament. His enemy was not so much the right faction, but the soft left sub-faction. And it's like, if Corbyn had been like harder on the soft left that's what that's what he needed to do that's like he wasn't hard enough on them and that's why like it came back to bite him like albanese would be one of the people that corbyn would have like purged i mean should have purged Mm. immediately the moment that he assumed the leadership and corbyn is also one of the people that albo did purge when he was like preventing like the like when he was like keeping the left faction of the like new south wales labor like free of like branch membership like Direction and like yeah, grassroots whole, democracy. Yeah, a whole history of like this of the Labor left in Australia essentially rooting out any actual. Socialist. That's what he did. That's what he did. He also. I really want to watch it at some allegedly. Point. <laughs> allegedly, no. There's there's some documentary that Albo appeared in, but like refused to be like on like on screen. Called where he's just like keeps being brought in as the fixer. And like when he was like twenty or something as a young Labor guy, and we should watch it. There's rumors about various. Um, Labour MPs, not to name any of them, who are engaged heavily in forms of branch stacking. Um, 
in the New South Wales Labor Party. Unheard of. I, I simply don't believe Allegedly. it. Allegedly. <laughs> Did you say branch stacking in the New South Wales Labor Party? Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. New South Wales is a state. Together. Essentially, just like every political party there is deeply cooked. It's like, the worst version of all the parties. Like they're all just organised crime. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's a, it's the Aldi, paper, Aldi bag full of cash in a car park. Like, yeah. <laughs> they all do it. Uh, allegedly. Um, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that article, as I said, it was... it's. It uh, got us mad, which was its intent. Um, I don't think anyone else even noticed it. I just saw it and I was like, how dare you speak the name of sweet boy Jeremy? <laughs> Honestly, just think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, it is spect- I have to say, it's the, the like, this is the, it assumes there are different sides, good versus bad, and voters must choose between them. It pits employees against employers, poor against rich, consumers against business. What? Like, <laughs> what is the basis for politics if those aren't? People on different sides. Well, he says the basis for politics or like the basis for winning elections is an uplifting message where every, everyone benefits. Mm. But again, like you just in that case, you're just not paying attention to material conditions of anything. Like you live in a dream world. If that's what you think is that's possible. Like real end of history stuff. Like, the, like yeah. that was like that was the politics that like like Labour and like British Labourists like as well pursued all through like the early 90s after the end of history. Mm. Still pursuing it. Yeah. Still that's abs- well, the thing now is what, that it, it is the politics that Albo is pursuing now. It's like it's like it's yeah, an absolute it's not factually central. untrue for both like the yeah. ALP and the Libs in Australia. Well, there is yeah, when he there says aren't any sides. when he says on your side, he wants he means like I'm on all of your sides. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like it's an absolute central part of what Starmer's doing now. I um, mean, like if you watch his speeches, he's very much like I'm on the side of business and labor, and then the Tories are just saying like, no, it's the good guys versus the bad guys, and they're kicking the shit out of him. Mm. Um, so this, like, it is an odd idea. I get, like, why this is a, a line that they think works. Like, if you're, like, a liberal and you are the employer and then you benefit from your employers not realising that there is a conflict of interest, um, then, of course, you're going to say, oh, no, like, we're all working together. We're all mates here. I just happen to be the mate who's in charge of the other mates. <laughs> that famous way that friendship works. <laughs> um, that one mate who's in charge of you. And Li- I mean, To be clear, whoever first gets the thylacine will be in charge of all our mates. Uh, well, <laughs> and that's, well, that's, how, that's how it should be. That's how we should select Prime Minister. Mm. But no. also, like, <laughs> the Lib strategy has very consistently been like, oh, we're the party of, like, the good, normal, quiet Australians, and they're the party of the um, effete inner city elites, um, which seems to me to be a strategy of division. Um, Liz Humphreys points out um, quite rightly, like all through how Labor built neoliberalism, uh, that, you know, like the underlying ideology of the accord was... um, uh, was this concept of like attributing... was a form of essentially corporatism that like... Leo Panish talks about a lot, but it's, you know, like essentially identifying um, the interests of like the bosses or like um, profitability of Australian capitalism uh, with the interests of the nation. Like, and, you know, this like amorphous concept that like the interests of um, the interests of the share, like the stock market and, you know, like corporate profits, et cetera, and big business um, actually is not their interest. It's the common interest, which is like obviously the underlying ideolo- ideology here. It is funny to think that like that uh you know like that was in many ways the basis of hawk's um victory like uh post um fraser uh in the in the 80s in the 80s um was the basis that we was going to resolve labor conflict in australia like this irresolvable labor conflict but like what's 
that requires a large and powerful labor movement. Like the concept that you can resolve, like if the actually sort of the point, what's sort of ironic is that like there's no organized conflict in civil society going on at the moment anyway. Like the trade unions tried to recreate it with that change the rules bullshit, but actually that doesn't exist at the moment. And so like um, what's bizarre about Albanese's promise of like social peace is that probably what people want is a little bit of social conflict. Like they, like, that like social peace makes sense when you've been like in a, a somewhat exhausted labor movement that's run up against like the like broken nature of Australian um, trade unionism and arbitration. Not to say that it's not some brilliantly militant trade unions, but right now people just feel alienated and isolated. And when like the alienation that comes and the reason like his vote keeps tanking is because people hear that and think. What the fuck's going on? There's not. I'm not marching the street or conflict in my workplace. If anything, I, I feel like the other side's just one, and I just live this like deeply alienated life where I have no power over anything. Yeah, well, I think there's kind of free floating dissatisfaction that doesn't have an outlet, and if anything, is is mostly exercised in the negative, i.e., just people engaging, disengaging from politics completely. Yeah, I'm not convinced anyone hears anything Albo's saying. It's like a white noise. You're like if you don't. I guess if you don't polarize it into a conflict within society, um, and instead takes the form of a an abstract dissatisfaction an abstract dissatisfaction with everything in a general sense that it's just all bad um and a like instead of being like oh it's us versus them like there's a fight and we have to win it when it's just like a kind of free floating like oh they're just all crooks Mm. Um, and like people are just bad inherently and like that's unfixable well if you think about like how long it has been in Australia since there's been any high-profile kind of industrial action or any form of struggle. There's just, like, maybe now almost two generations of workers who have, like, no concept of that Except happening in Australia. Except in isolated cases, yeah. Yeah, very isolated cases. Like, maybe the most high-profile one might have been the pilot strike, which I have essentially no memory of Yeah, as, like, a 32-year-old, right? So, if you're under, say, 40... And you're not like a real nerd about the labor movement. I don't think you would have any experience of any. The no. only industrial conflict I've got any memory of was the like the when Howard brought in the army to try and like destroy the Wolfies, the Wolfies Union, um, which is in the nineties. It was like early, like it would have been like what ninety seven, ninety eight, or something. Like yeah, I mean the days lost to industrial action has like if you look at a graph, it's basically gone to zero, like compared to the high point, which is about nineteen eighty five. Um, which was incredible. It was a real high point. Uh, and the Labour Party very successfully um, demobilised that. And yeah, Matt, I, like that sort of like general dissent as well. Like is something we've been talking about, we've talked about a lot a few years ago now probably, that like a, pop, a good popular strategy is able to cohere that general disdain and give it a like... We do that door knocking all the time. Like people are like, yeah, everything's fucked. And we're like, well, it's fucked because massive corporations and billionaires donate millions of dollars to um, Labour and the LNP who are... Uh, like enact their material interests. You don't say that at the door, like material interests, but give a structural framing around this discontent. And that was Corbyn 2017. Like the, the, the his his success was like for the many, not the few, was to cohere that that dissent in a to give it a face. I like big corporations uh, uh, and the Tories backed by this sort of like political and um, corporate establishment and a positive route out of it. Um, like what would what would be t- like? It's almost like asking what would happen if you identified your common enemy, um, and you get like I don't know, like uh, nationalized rail and um, not dying in winter. Like the story that 
has just been coming out of the UK now that I've noticed is that um, the Tories have proposed uh, raising uh, taxes on corporations and Labor's come out against it and is going to try and block <laughs> yeah, it. that is insane. <laughs> which is... Yeah. Which Ooh. just... And I just read that and thought, like, the Labor right types have always been able to say, they've always said, look, the worst Labor government is better than the best Tory government. Mm. And now you can just look at that and go, oh, no, that's, not they're not. <laughs> I mean, after this period of um, job seeker, I don't think we can say that here yeah. either. Mm. No. No, no, no exactly. well, Yeah. Well, it is insane. It's like the, rever- the Tories are proposing to reverse their own corporate tax cuts. Yeah. And... Keir Dummy's answer is like, now's not the time to tax business. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay. and, and what's the demonstrative of is, is like the, the, the wins made in, in like in society by, by the Corbyn project where like now the Tories are saying, oh, we actually probably do need to do this. The, like the, the latent common sense of society seems to be that we should probably tax corporations a bit more. And if we don't do that, we'll lose our ability to continue to govern on behalf of capital. Yeah, there's a paragraph where like um, the Tory chancellor lays out their fiscal strategy, which is like high levels of debt funded, like infrastructure spending over the long <laughs> term, combined with um, like tight, like day-to-day fiscal spending and what spending there is is backed by increases in taxes on the like top income earners and corporate tax and a corporate tax rate. And Jesus, then- that's so much more ambitious than the Labour Party here or there has been fucking willing to do. It's <laughs> yeah. so fucking depressing. Well, like the British Tories, I think, are unusually good on this by the standards of conservative parties. Like it's, did, you know, Donald Trump didn't do that. Like the Libs here would never do that. Well, the um, Libs in um, Western Australia are doing something similar okay. where they were just like, well, what if we like had like really ambitious climate targets that the Labor government, which is about to storm in to, to victory, they're just, would never uh, do? Yeah, I feel like they're just vibing, like they have no chance <laughs> and they're like, yeah. well, let's we'll just throw it to the wall, see what sticks. But yeah, I think, yeah. um, it's very like there's nothing to lose. Their, the their candidate want- for Premier is incredible. Like he just came out this week and was like, look. I'm a loser. I'm a huge loser and I'm going to lose, but I'm that still was, going out there and running for Premier. <laughs> that was amazing. The, um, just before Is he trying that, for some kind of loser identity politics? I think so. Because yeah. he's quite young. I think he's trying to identify with millennials who also feel like losers. But Many of you are losers. He's like a millennial candidate in that <laughs> yeah. sense. He's like, I've lost already. <laughs> no, just quickly on the Tories, the one thing I'd say around that fiscal strategy is it's, it doesn't mean that they're actually reversing all the cuts they've made to the NHS no. or anything like that. Like, it's still deeply fucked and uh, regressive. And, in fact, a lot of the spending is just to keep um, house, like, property prices up in the same well, way. Well, I'm sure they've managed to find ways to do their infrastructure spending in some cooked-ass public-private partnership oh. thing that's just a fully, like, money-for-the-boys situation. Yeah, yeah, money-for-the-boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other funny thing about the Liberal Party in Western Australia is when they propose, like, becoming like net carbon neutral by 2030 in the public sector and shutting down the coal-fired power stations in 2025. And Labor's response was like, this is reckless and like bad for business. And like, essentially, like if you read the comments out of context, you'd assume that that was the political situation was completely reversed. So maybe Troy Bramston from The Australian is right. Well, I think that... (laughs) Maybe. Like the... um, What's happened in the UK is that um, Starmer has allowed the Tories to... Uh, pick up the banner of conflict and he's allowed them to make this about like it's the good British like working man versus the evil globalists were definitely not us and you know and like also it's like it's us versus the French and all this stuff but then like because the people in charge of uh, UK Labour now like um probably are French. at the same position well they, yeah probably are French now <laughs> I'm always knowing that <laughs> kind of position as the Australian that they're like no we have to like 
we have to refuse to do this on principle, um, and that's why they're failing. So, speaking of, I don't know, political parties <laughs> and the, the things <laughs> they do. Yeah. Speaking uh, of politics. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like we... I, I thought this was going to be a thalassine podcast. We seem to have drifted it off track. Like, like Joe's shifting away like 10 pages of notes about the thalassine. <laughs> <laughs> Single tear running down a cheek. Hey, does anyone... Joe, in your research, have, yeah. have you figured out, does anyone have a proposed noise that thalassines make? Well, does ah. anyone? <laughs> I don't think. Shall so. we just go around and everyone will just quickly make the noise that they think a thylacine would make? <laughs> okay, you should start, Matt. Off you go. <laughs> I refuse to participate in this. So <laughs> 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 yeah. I think it's that more like, like anyway. I would say a dog. Like, say what that rah. sounds like. Don't <laughs> 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 you, Maddie? Okay. Because I think, Thanks, like, the, yeah, the the last footage, the only footage we have of Thylacine is silent footage, so that doesn't obviously capture their bark. That's very sad footage to watch. Actually, it's quite really moving. sad. Yeah, but I was actually going to talk about job seeker stuff or segue quickly. Also Speaking sad and quite moving. Actually, sad, yes. Um, how shit the Labour Party is the all-purpose segue. Yeah. No, that's true. That always works. Okay. Um, because they did so. Okay. Does somebody with more knowledge than me? want to take us through some of the sort of facts here because I've just like I know you know vague I think most of our listeners probably will know vaguely what it's about but you know the facts and figures don't hurt either. I guess where we're at now is another round of talking about raising Job Seeker or New Start or the Dole or whatever it's currently called um, after this I think really unprecedented year I guess of having a semi-livable amount of money on the doll and we're now heading back to normal or normal which is what fifty dollars a week uh, i wrote it all down but i forgot and i don't have, it oh, in front I have of the me. notes here um yeah. so it was raised by about 75 dollars a week to help people with um covid and then so it's due to fall by 50 dollars a week on april 1st april fools um which is higher than it was before so it's a permanent raise of 25 dollars a week or 350 a day it's worth keeping in mind that last year was doubled as well right yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this means job seeker will be 40 dollars a day and this is sort of i guess coming a bit at the same time as labor for probably this maybe about the third time in the last 10 years has been sort of making noise about it but their response is that it does need to be raised but we can't tell you by how much it mm. needs to go to a review right just, just absolutely. It needs to go to a review, and also we need to be in government to do a review. Like we can't, yeah. like we can't, like look at any other reviews that any of the millions of reviews that various kind of like NGOs who are all kind of shit on this anyway. But any of the like NGO groups have done, or or, or the reviews like that this. we've done in government in what like two thousand and ten and two thousand and five. Yeah, and to be clear as well, it was doubled last year. Just like, and I think one of the useful things about thinking about that was that we had like a decade of debate about, well, a long, t- the job seeker rate obviously hasn't, or well, previously new start and previously unemployment benefit hasn't been increased since the 90s. I think like, yeah, since like, was it 92? Yeah, yeah, it was like not much either. And it's $565 a fortnight, um, its original one. It was doubled last year. So essentially people were getting um, $1,000 a fortnight. And like, it just all overnight shifted like over a million people out of poverty. Mm. Um, and... Um, it's perfectly possible just to keep that up. Uh, what's in, and then it was cut again recently um, and there was a smaller supplement. And now what the deadline we're coming to now, uh, the reason this debate is going on is because that final supplement is about to be cut and it's about to be reverted. Uh, and well, hi- it's still going to be higher than it was before, but not Well, much. the coalition's proposal, which I don't think they've actually properly outli- outlined yet, um, is a very small um, yeah, increase. Yeah, it's like 350 a day. Increase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
um, or 50 so yeah I think where we are we are we're at now is something under 50 percent of the like after-tax minimum wage like 40 percent or something I was reading something about it and I think like what what it would be is like 14 percent of the average like male weekly wage which is insanely low like yeah I mean, I'm on a very kind of advanced form of welfare, which is a PhD <laughs> stipend, and I get a thousand dollars a fortnight, um, and which is like sort of just enough to, for me to live on. I don't feel like I like I don't feel necessarily poor, but I like if that was hard, I don't know how I would live. <laughs> like, yeah, genu- like, it's crazy. I just can't imagine like how they expect anybody to live on this. Yeah, like when I was on the PhD scholarship, it was the same thing. It was like, okay fine but like i had to do um some work for the uni as well to Mm. break even um like you just kind of look at that and then you look at what your rent is and Mm. you go well exactly yeah okay well the deeply fucked thing about new start is how harsh the income testing is like there is essentially no way for you to do any additional work it drops off almost immediately and the partner income testing as well yeah the partner just means if your partner earns any amount of money you can't get it if if your partner has a job you're fucked you can't get anything which is incredibly, like, unreasonable imposition to put on someone. It That's really not is. how, like, it, it's trying to enforce this, like, like male breadwinner kind of, like, dynamic in a society where that ceased to exist in, like, in, like, the mid-80s for, for huge sections of society, at well, least. And also just what was really infuriating about all of this debate as well is it's, like, um, Piping Shrike has a really good um, article about this, like, the shift in the concept of what welfare is. But that, like, the... Like, Labor Party's inability to... I mean, the coalition's fucked, and they've always had a fucked view of welfare, but the Labor Party's inability, like, implicit in their argument around, oh, we haven't decided what pig figure we should put on it, when it clearly should just be what... It should be, like, poverty, right? It should yeah, be yeah. like, oh, we just we have to make sure that no one's in poverty. Yeah, that's, like, that's all it should fucking be. And, like, um, the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, which has been backed by the Greens, call for $80 a day, is basically that. Um, And what, like, what's insane is, like, the original assumption around welfare was that um, capitalism produces as a system a layer of people who are unemployed. Like that's, you know, I think um, Matt's got it in the notes as, you know, Marx called the reserve army of labour. But, and that was the view of social democratic countries for like most of the 20th century. And this shift now to this like actually unemployment is a result of people's personal failings. Implicit in the like fucked um, uh, mutual obligation stuff that force you to look for so many jobs that don't exist. Um, or the like the job dobber. mutual infl- obligations brought in by the Hawke Keating government, I believe. Uh, I, I think I think intensified and like yeah. like 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 all things like brought in by the Labor Party and then like made truly mean spirited by like by the Howard. But well, I think it's been the double punch of it being intensified in surveillance, but also stripping away any sub- like resourcing and support that, you know, people still talk about the old Commonwealth Employment Services having some power to help you. And I'm sure they were negative for a lot of people, but there's no fucking way you can get a job off Serena Russell if you tried. Well, and like what's insane about all of this is how, like, sure, whatever, like during the like post Cold War boom and this sort of like, like the high point of neoliberal ideology that assumed that actually, you know, people had to pick up themselves by the bootstraps, et cetera. But we're in the middle of like an exogenous financial crisis that has occurred as a result of a massive pandemic that has created um, historically high levels of unemployment. Um, So I'm not entirely sure like how you could maintain that like this, the current high unemployment rate is is a result of people not like, all of a sudden, a whole extra layer of people have just got really lazy. <laughs> like, 
as a result of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. There was no no external factors, but last year around January, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Well, why <laughs> something they, f- they put something in the water, and all of a sudden everyone got real lazy. Well, well why aren't they fruit picking, Max? <laughs> Shouldn't they be picking yeah, that's fruit? R- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the other like really tragic factor is here that like through this whole period that new start has been getting worse and worse in um, adequacy, they've also been, had so many measures that crank people off of payments that are slightly more reasonable, like a disability support pension or the old single parent payments. So now they're all on Newstart, really. So now there's a huge percentage of Newstart recipients who are like basically long-term unemployed and have various disabilities or other reasons that they can't work full-time or they can't necessarily work at all, but they're all there because it's really hard to get on and stay on DSP these days. And even like, even just for genuine job seekers as well, like like obviously, you'd expect people to stay on longer when there's less jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, what's the Tim Allen voice sound? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, no, that's a thylacine sound. Uh, <laughs> um, but but the the ability to to remove people's payments has has just become easier and easier and easier. And like the like the the oversight of it has become increasingly privatized as well. Where like I, I, like as part of researching this, I was like, oh. Like, if you were to get a job for Serena Russo, do you need any qualifications whatsoever or do you receive any training? And they're like, no, like, no. They have a similar type of vibe to real estate agents. Mm. Yeah. It's, but it's like, it's, they don't have, they don't have to have anything and there's no no training provided whatsoever. And to give people, like, the ability to remove your income, you'd really expect some sort of minimum standard, like, to, to, to give people the ability to be like, no, look, you're in poverty now. Sorry. Um, Yeah. No, they're hardcore grifters. It was... You I get to the point. You get to the point where the cruelty is clearly the point. The cruelty is the point, and so a million people were, are kicked off on average every year, like have their payments suspended. Which is there's about a million people on JobSeeker. Like it, it's I guess it's kind of saying that you're more likely to have your payments suspended than not, and that's a really incredibly like brutal. I think that's the other thing that fucks a bit with the statistics because they love to talk about how like it's intended to be a temporary payment and most people go off within 12 months or whatever. But between getting kicked off your payment or having your payment reduced to zero because you earn like hardly anything or your partner earns a little bit, you, you can... because you missed a meeting because they like tried to call you or something. Or for yeah. no reason at all. Like you, sometimes you get people a tiny just bit like, of... You just like a pure accounting error, right? Yeah, yeah like, but it happens, yeah. seems to happen all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, you cycle on and off, but you might have a very long period in your life when essentially that's your source of income. But for the, like, statistical purposes, you've successfully you've exited off. into yeah. the labour market a number of times. Yeah. And then they get paid a huge amount of money when you do as well. Like, yeah, like if yeah you they ever clearly get a job, do because they harass you to death to yeah. get, like, you to sign the form that says you have gotten a job under our watch. If you yeah. ever get a job, do not sign that form. They yeah. do not deserve your money. Yeah, that my last time I went off it, they were, like, trying to bribe me with, like asking if I needed petrol or clothes for work to get me to come back in and give them the details of the job. So they were ringing me for about two weeks, offering like more and more money and like big W vouchers <laughs> to go buy a work wardrobe. Essentially for me, what this comes down to is two things. It's like one, the coherent political strategy um, of like, or certainly the attempted one of the, I think the most crucial things about the Hawke and Keating period was creating a constituency of people who um like a larger and growing constituents of people who owned their own home, like, and who got bought into this, but not just their own home, but via superannuation as well as just like selling off a lot of public corporations and floating them on the stock market, vastly increasing the proportion of people in Australia who own shares. And so essentially like, and it's been clear that that, like that strat, that class of people was then sort of like 
materially sort of co-opted by Howard and now has been held together by Morrison, which essentially boils down to as long as house prices keep going up, then there's going to be political stability. Uh, And I think then on the other end of this is like one of the ways to ensure house prices keep going up and they're like profitable assets to invest in um, and to increase and, you know, by extension, also just like continue the growth of the equity market in Australia, the stock market, is to increase the profitability of Australian capitalism. And one of the ways to do that is keep wages low. And so for me, this is just like, until we can, like, I feel like, you know, the whole progressive left has to grapple with this, but like, um, currently our potential class coalition is split between mortgage holders um, in outer suburban areas. In Brisbane, it's places like Logan and Inala, Western Sydney and things like that. And a highly precarious predominantly young renter class who are fucked by this system on the other hand because obviously like the job de- uh, the lower the unemployment benefit is the fucking harder it is to get on the more desperate it is true it probably is true that the more desperate people are to get off it and accept really fucking low page wage jobs with terrible conditions and that and like the job dobber thing in particular will be a fantastic way of um driving down uh wages and like What's that? Like, I, I remember reading about it, but we should cover it. So, essentially, like, if... A, it's if some you, kind of hotline for employers to, like, dob in if someone refuses a job. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but I think that's the, that's, the, that's the crux that we have to deal with. How do we marry the material interests of mortgage holders who are probably highly debt leveraged and to avoid going into negative equity, i.e. owing more than the value of their home? Um, they need ha- property prices to keep going up. Uh, and by extension, are sort of, like, hooked in via, like, an intravenous... Um, you know, like connection into Australian capitalism, into it being actually not necessarily against their interest to have unemployed people and poor workers fucked with low wages and a draconian welfare system. And us, who are still in the minority, I mostly renters, and who go on and off unemployment benefits. Um, that I've just been grappling with that over the past few weeks because I was like, this is explicit cruelty. Mm. Like, and if we were in any fucking caring, well-organized society, this would be deeply unpopular thing to do. Just turn around to a million people and be like, oh, fuck off. Nice I think life. one of the problems of this, like, you know, it's like a low wage growth in Australia for a long time, you know, has been fucking mortgage holders, but you don't see it because it's like a trend line over time that is going yeah. tiny bit up versus a little tiny bit more up. And I think the new start situation is that exactly. It's not a deci- apart from, say, the single parent changes, it's not a change that someone has one day said, we want to put people in poverty. It's just by doing this little thing which with numbers, which is we're going to index the payment this way, you have over a period of decades, like a truly fucked situation. Yeah. And you don't, um, I think those kind of really long-term cruelties or like the cruelty of the status quo are quite difficult to see. And I think that's a really good point, Maddie, around wage growth, like low wage growth does screw mortgage holders. I think I always thought that the two things sort of like obscuring that for people was one, that as long as your house price ex- grew at a faster rate mm. than um, like, like at a fast enough rate, then low, then like low wages and an inability to pay off the loan over time doesn't matter because your loan proportionally is shrunk as your, the value of your home goes up, which all of our, like our parents' generation benefited from. And secondly, if you have no power in the workplace, then it's much easier for you to imagine policies that might grow up, grow the value of your home than it would to increase your Mm. wage. Well, it's very concrete. You know, you see how much interest you owe this month. Like that's a real short-term feedback thing. Yeah. 
I, mean, I think it really links it to what we were talking about before about like just the the days lost to industrial action. Like it's just disappeared, and the like the the way that the the ACTU and the union movement in general has treated the unemployed workers union, where they're like, look, that's not a real union. They've really like they've sicked their attack dog friendly Geordies on them. Like yeah, yeah. it's it's really been like very explicitly like, look, they're not us. Like mm. we're we're the good working class. That's that's like. You know they're they're the lumpens and we they're, fucking they're hate trolls. them. They're trolls. They're a troll farm. Yeah, a lot it's, it's of a troll farm. Sickos in this story. There's a lot of just sick people doing sick things for sick reasons. Like the certainly all the the stuff around how um, Centlink's like explicitly designed to to create anxiety and uh, depression in people mm-hmm. um, through the whole arbitrary system of bumping you off payments for no reason um, and. That Centrelink doesn't yeah. even do. They don't even oversee that. It's just like some some fuckhead who doesn't like can can barely write a resume. Being like, I think I could rewrite your resume better than yeah. you. Man. And you're like, man, you, I don't think you've ever read a book. Mm. And <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> what one specific person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. Like you know, I'm just imagining one guy in a room like pulling lots of levers, like with like little like computers surrounding him, but, but pressing think, the cruelty button. Certainly, like yeah, the um, yeah, the job agencies, like the outsourcing of the whole thing to these just like fucking parasites um who i like all middlemen think they're just absolutely vital and in fact like think they're the most important people in the system yeah they're what maddie said before about them having the same vibe as real estate agents is so true it's all landlord brain well it's those weird real estate agents like the one who sell houses are like a bit more high profile like they yeah. have that kind of coke energy Lashing but the agents. ones that rent agents <laughs> yeah, they've got a huge coke energy yeah, yeah. the That's younger ones yeah idea. they've always got like weird ill-fitting clothing they seem yeah. really depressed we all know these people yeah, no they're driving horrible cars. Have you bought this house yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of something i saw online like right before christmas which was a um a email from a real estate agency, which apparently went to all their tenants, and it was like some cursed poem, like meant to sort of mimic a Christmas, one of the Christmas songs or poems or something. And it was basically like, um, we would really hate to have to evict you during the Christmas season, so like make sure you keep up with all your payments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw the same thing, and it was just like, oh, I know Christmas is a hard time of year, and you've got an obligation to buy presents, and the social obligations are really enforced, and you often get less work. But if you do miss your payments, it would really harsh our vibe. Yeah. We had to evict you. That was the thing. Like oh that God. whole like it would be so hard on us to evict you during Christmas. So like just And I think don't. that's a very it's first it's very similar energy to like the Michaela Cash Job Dobber hotline. Mm. Um but also like on a, an institutionalized level where it's not just like you fucking with a particular tenant because you're a, a bad person. Um it's like, no, we're gonna specifically develop a system that enables this kind of psychological cruelty on a mass scale. Because, um, like, the way this thing works, that if, if you're unemployed and you go and interview for a job and they offer it to you and then you refuse it because uh, the. Because they offered, like, like, like the last job I interviewed for where I said, oh, what's it pay? And they said, We'll tell you if you get the job, <laughs> like which is which has been my experience of of yeah. like of of yeah. like interviewing for jobs unless you're asking for a professional job, like yeah. un- unless they're a big organization or it's like something Honestly, that like, depends of, on your qualifications. A lot of publishing jobs do this as well. Like there was recently like a editorship at Redacted Publishing House um, that was advertised and it was like salary to be discussed or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, publishing it, house is one of the classic. Like you're in it for the love of the game, so yeah, we're going to exploit you brutally. It's not like anyone's trying like working in a warehouse for the fucking love of the game. It's just no, it's no. just that they know that the the like the power relationship here is we don't even like we don't care. Like you, you need a job more than like 
there's heaps so of unemployed people right now. Yeah. Like hmm. the, the the relative power of like small businessmen versus unemployed people on Centrelink is such that they don't need to offer you shit. That's I. That is exactly how I applied for my first job. I had, was like going around handing <laughs> around resumes and I like went into this like independent supermarket and like tried to drop off my resume. And the manager came out and he was like, "All right, we might as well do the interview now." And he's like, "Why do you want the job?" And I was like, "I think I was, I think I was seventeen or sixteen at the time." And I was like, uh, "I need the money." And he like gave me this look. And he's like, "Mate," and then he just handed me the resume back, and I walked off. It's, <laughs> it's fucking true. You're hiring a seventeen. Yeah, well, the other thing is also like, what? No, because I like I yearn to work well, like, in, like yeah, yeah. In, in a fucking like like yeah. non-brand but, but that's what he wants. Actually, my, he's not. my second job was a checkout check at Coles, and we had to do like a full two day experience. Yeah, I, of like one of those group recruitment things where we had like personality tests and oh team building activities. I went through what that, the but fuck? I, I I did remember looking back and. And thinking like, what do you want to be to hear? It's like, I have a passion for independent supermarkets. I love polishing apples. Yeah. I just yeah, it's like, can't I, re- I, I was like, but in my brain, I was like, I'm not sure if this is like a important things to come. But I was like, what I should do is like, I hate Coles and Woolies and I want to help you beat them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I mean, the supermarket duopoly is my greatest enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. not like he just, you know, just wants to make money. He's like, yeah, like what he wants is to hear is like, Oh, sir, you're really clever and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they want is for you to like, confirm that you understand the power relationship. Yeah, basically. Here. Like where you say, yeah. please, sir, like I like I yearn to like just worship your like turd. Or say those yeah. magic words like I want to work for a small business because they treat their employees like a family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, like families really I'm fuck really you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, families well, yeah. no one gets out with a proper functioning psychology. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually reminds me of like a yeah, not to keep harboring the point, but like a growing trend in the in the old rental experience where like our last time we applied for a house we had to like fill out a thing saying why we wanted to live there. It's like, well, because, I don't know, it's, it meets all our needs. Like, what do you it's want? Like, well, I need a house, please. Yeah. <laughs> but they wanted, you know, oh, I love the house, blah, blah, blah. It's like, just let I, me live. Like, half the time, I don't think they even fully know why they're doing it. Mm. But, like, that doesn't mean they won't fucking lose their minds um, if you don't do it. Yeah, if you don't play along with the mystique yeah. and you're just like, I want the money. <laughs> I um, think there's a, it's a real, like, cultural experience right now as well of this, like, um, fatigue around having to play along around all the things like there seems to be a proliferation of a bunch of like rental agencies workplaces like tell us why you love this job and like why you love this house and why you want to be here and like even in like oh like when you're booking an airbnb it's like, mm. like tell us about yourself and why you want to hear you, and it's yeah, like i'm always just because like, like, i'm going on holiday i want somewhere to stay <laughs> but i feel like that's crushing because because the system's giving us less and less like it's harder and harder to play along with that game where people just feel more and more like fuck off like that that is certainly like my experience of all of those things. Like at a higher like my threshold for dealing with the th- having to lie. Like you can deal with lying if like there's a solid welfare state and a guarantee of like a good job and like a home. I'm I'll not gonna fucking lie. Not to lie with a good welfare. Yeah, state. yeah, yeah. I'll say like, anything you want me to for like a good uh, job seeker rate. Yeah, <laughs> I think the point I was making before about the like how disappointing the institutionalized unionism like attitude towards the unemployed like unemployed workers movement is that mm. like. Part of why, part of the the huge weakness of institutionalized labor is that the threat of unemployment is so yeah. fucking viable. It's such a threat. Like no one wants to lose their job. There's like no one's going to go on strike if like you end up losing your income every like couple of months because yeah. like some like untrained person who makes heaps of money for Serena Russo like forgot to add your name to the list of people who don't starve this week. Like, and that's that's why it's so 
like infuriating seeing the Labour Party and the union movement completely ignore this issue. Well, exactly. I was about to say the one you know the best way to solve um, the wage growth crisis. Is just have double the fucking yeah, job seeker rate. Floor, because yeah, yeah, like yeah. all of a sudden people will be like, no, fuck you, I'm not going to work yeah. in your warehouse. Yeah, like, yeah. No, uh, you, the one way to increase the bargaining power of labour is to exactly, Declan, make unemployment not a threat. Like that would, the entire fucking union movement should be mobilising around the 80 a day campaign. It They're would like, do so much more than like the half-assed things that they put in cha- change the rules. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they were too scared to back the right to strike for fuck's sake. But like, no, no, let's bring back like... Like, this, like, completely arcane, legalistic arbitration system. No. And it'll be a great political strategy as well, because, like, if you were designing it, the entire comm strategy could be a whole bunch of people have just lost their job. Imagine if you lost your job, could you live on, like, like fucking fuck off? Yeah, it's such an incredible time for solidarity where so many people who've never had to think about mm. going to Centrelink have been there in the last 12 months. Like, why? And as well, like... There's such like this base assumption that um that like that, that this isn't popular. That's that's Labor's kind of like rationale, but it's also like the conservative kind of rationale as well. It's like you can't just like say that you want to raise welfare. People don't like that. It's it's a it's a pretty tough financial moment. People don't like the idea of people like doing quite well. But polls consistently show that like above sixty percent, like we've got like the super majority of people who think that we should raise welfare right now. It's not. In any way, a controversial political. Well, like- I think both parties and like the Labor Party is fully on board with this. A bill, a really like for a long time, have bought into this narrative of the deserving and the undeserving poor. Yeah, mm. and that's why you have you know the pension is at this rate, and you know if you're a legitimately disabled person, you can survive. Like we'll allow it. Like not just the money is higher, but the amount of money you can earn, the amount of assets you can have before your payments are cut. They're also if- much higher. Whereas all these like scum unemployed people. Of various kinds. Well, it comes back exactly to that concept of the deserving poor as well and that concept that you are unemployed because of your own personal Mm. failings. Um, Which I I, think has lost a bit of traction like through the pandemic. Well, that's what I thought. I think it's lost it with regular people 100%. It hasn't lost it with... With uh, the political class. No, absolutely not. I I was going to say... The Australian loser party. (laughs) For it to be... Like, I think for like raising job seeker to be a winning political strategy as opposed to just not offending people. Like, I don't think people shift their... The only people are going to shift it... I would say that if it was just raising job seeker the only people are going to shift their vote are people who on job seeker probably and maybe not all of them like people shift their votes often on like material issues that materially affect them but if you had a political strategy that like especially as the labor party with the weapon that is the like actu in terms of financial resources backed by it and organizing on the ground if you cohered a political strategy that like you say organizing on the ground yeah, in the yeah, same yeah. sentence as the actu yeah, yeah. okay I'm so angry right that's now the most farcical <laughs> thing of that sentence but that was based around building a sense of solidarity around the like a raise in the job seeker rate is a raise in your wage. Like for every fucking dollar that we raise the job seeker rate above the poverty line, your wage will go up because your boss can't threaten you with unemployment. You need to be able to go to, if you want to go into work with dignity, you have to be able to leave your job when you need to. Mm. And like the, the number of people that fantasize about fucking leaving their job must be like the idea that, even half of people love doing what they're doing. Like half would just, be very. I would generous. be stunned if more than like, more than like the, the amount of people who love their job probably marries up with the amount of people who like illegally claim job seeker is like less than a, like a tenth of a percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. that's right. Um, so it, it is it, like it, it is it coheres around a really like good political moment, but I think it comes also comes back to Labor. Like Keating post um, Bill Shorten's loss said, oh, Bill Shorten didn't understand what the Australian middle class wanted. Didn't even say working class. Like, like this is like in 2020. 
And it was like, I think it does actually come back to like all of the labor brainworm is like they still haven't escaped the Hawk and Keating era and mm. still think that their path to victory is essentially how to promise people that their home prices will keep going. The up. amount of people who still think it's the 90s and have literally updated. Like, I think in the 90s, there was more of a thing around like more people would have believed that like raising welfare will just go into the undeserving poor. Um, I haven't checked like what those poll ratings would have been for the 90s or whatever, mm. but also it's no longer the 90s. And like we have numbers from right now that show that it's popular. Mm. Well, and I think things have gotten so much worse. I was looking at an um, article from Greg Jericho the other day that was comparing unemployment rates and wage growth and this you know, idea that unemployment is high keeps wages down, but yeah. that's kind of broken a bit. Like the relationship is still there, but now it's like double the unemployment rate for the same suppression of wages. So it's like, I guess, over the past like 40 years, capital in Australia does an incredible job of suppressing wages, so... Yeah, with no coherent political strategy to overcome that. No. Or, or even necessarily a material revolt against it, entirely because they have a... They're like, if you look at the breakdown, about 30% of people in Australia are renters, like 30... And then it's like, it's basically 30, 30, 30. It's like 30% renters, 30% mortgage holders, um, 30% own their home outright. Oh, it's like a little bit less. I and think then it's like, 10% of people who live in trees, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 10% I think it's like, seen trackers who live yeah. in the bush. I think it's 38% mortgage holders, but it's the, around those numbers. And it's like, it, it's like um, this is the legacy of Hawk and Keating is there's like 60% plus people who... Like, are still being fucked, like, deeply alienated, on low wages, like, spend two hours commuting, work most of their lives um, with no real guarantee of a comfortable retirement. Um, But because there's no other avenue for political change in their lives, no concept of collective power or wielding that in any meaningful way, the last thing they have to hold on to is their asset price going up. Um, And, like... the. Um, clearly the ACT and the Labor Party aren't attempting to like do that. And the irony is that would be the only way to beat the Liberal Party because the way to beat the Liberal Party are always going to do that better these days. Like once Hawking Keating snapped the back of the Labor movement and like did what Fraser wasn't able to do, which was beat the Labor movement, that they did it for them, then handed them the like hollowed out skeletal, like anemic husk of the Labor movement and said, do what you want with it now. And now the Liberal Party will always do it better because they don't have to deal with the uh, organised labour movement. So they're always going to win on those terms. Uh, and, it, and it strikes me that the, I think after the shortened election, um, I sort of was like, I don't think the Labour Party will ever win another majority election. Mm. Um, like they might slip in with in like a minority situation, but I just can't see them winning a majority election. Yeah, like certainly not the next one. Um, I feel like most of our... A lot of our podcasting these days is like giving them free electoral advice, yeah. <laughs> which they're very determined not to follow. Um, well, but- the level of anger that is provoked in the Labour Party um, when you just say, like, what is your policy on this position? is like, how dare you? How dare you ask <laughs> us, the opposition party, to name a, a number for job seeker? How dare you ask us to formulate a policy on an issue and advocate for it that's probably racist and something as our friend terry butler always says labor is not in government so you can't expect any other labor mp to do anything (laughs) um yeah labor party lowering expectations (laughs) and that's what we've seen with the way they um i've been really taken aback by how 
deeply they despise the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Mm. And maybe this is just Twitter drama, but there's definitely a lot of Labour hacks on Twitter mm. um, who go all in on this, like, this is kind of like Bernie Bo Bro Twitter troll thing where it's just, like, disgusted by these... You know, these people, basically these people tweeting mean things at me. These people just telling me to go fuck myself online. Um, It's just like, that's what they actually care about. Well, I think they have an identity politics of being left wing. Yeah. Like certain people in Labour left. So the existence of anyone that um, draws attention Mm. to what a farce that is, I think is very threatening. Um, we have been it? going for about an hour, I just yeah. want to say. Probably just over, so we're uh, going to wrap it up soon. I only want to say things because um, I'm writing this article on privatisation, like the history of privatisation in Australia at the moment for Jacobin. Um, and as part of a research, I was just looking at how the, the Labor Party like grappled with how unpopular their privatisation program was at the time. But there's this incredible internal like review of their loss to Keating in 1996 um, that I've like very... They lost to Howard? Yeah, yeah, when they lost to Howard. Um, and it was presented to the National Secretariat. It's like a private document, but someone generously gave it to me. Um, uh, I'm not sure if they want me to name them on air, so I won't. <laughs> um, uh, so it's like, but there's this section on like the primary thing they identify as why they lost is privatisation. And it reads, Labor's record on Qantas and the Commonwealth Bank raised questions about our candour and ideological commitment to public ownership. Selling off national icons was deeply unpopular and raised questions about what Labor stood for. <laughs> Many of our own people didn't believe us when we said we wouldn't sell Telstra. And then they went on to say, um, uh, economic rationalism was like, essentially paraphrasing, was very alienating. Um, but in particular, um, we noted that the accord forced wage owners to f- um, make a disproportionate sacrifice to the process of restructuring the economy. And it's like, I don't think they learned any lessons from that report. No. But what it does, I always find it very interesting is the cognitive dissidents in the Labor Party. It's like, where are all our working class voters gone? Oh, we fucked them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty clearly stated there. Yeah, the psych- and that does fascinate me as well as the psychological effect. Like, how these people, like what this does to you as a, as a character. Because like, it does seem that everyone I interact with who has any association with the Labour Party at all just immediately turns into a fucking lunatic like as soon as you poke them and like (laughs) watching some like Queensland MPs um have a go at Amy the other day oh that this is a whole fucking story which I would we can't get into now because the podcast is over but it's just like the yeah, they're just sickos and there's something about it's a much more psychologically comfortable position to be a allegedly right-wing politician behaving in a right-wing way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you are for the interests of capital. You're saying that, you're doing that, everything's fine. You're a sicko, you love being a sicko. Yeah. It's, impos- Sickos, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. 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 it's impossible to be, yeah, psychologically healthy and behaving like a Labour MP. Yeah. yeah. But you could simply not do it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well. instead behave in a good way. <laughs> yes, but then you'd have to give yeah. up your gigantic salary and yeah. all your benefits and your access to you know the rest of the political class and... Your general, yeah, the perks of being a sicko. Well, and I think you've spent <laughs> episode title decades <laughs> trying to get to that position, and so the reckoning with the fact that like the values and the organisation that you've devoted your life to is um, a complete waste. I think a lot of people are not able to make that. Oh, hundred percent. And deeply reckoning. different to what you what you believe as well. Like, mm. I, like most of the young people I know in the Labor Party, like just completely unwilling to grapple with the reality of what they're supporting. Mm. Um, and like when, when you, they talk about it, like they either like accept. Like, accept it and then just get depressed or, like, lash out in this, like, very, like, really mean-spirited way. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds me, like, we probably yeah, need to wrap it up soon, but what we talked about in our post-state election podcast being like, you guys won and yet you're acting like total losers. Like, why can't you be happy? It's just you well, fundamentally I mean, they haven't won because they have no program, they have no ambition, they have no like joy. But well, they haven't resolved that fundamental cognitive dissonance. Mm. No, and that's so what. They, they yeah, can't be I mean, happy. whereas we're always happy even when we lose because we're like living our values and loving life. So like, like fighting, fighting, yeah, fighting for what we believe in, and like Join you know us. having some sort of sense of collective solidarity around yeah. a common well, and, project. And I think like any any step forward is a genuine win for a for a political project that we're trying to like that we're trying to make real in the world. Whereas if you don't have a political project, a win doesn't advance that polit- like that absence of a political project and so isn't actually a win. Hmm. Yeah, I was, Although um, there still is that like really deep like frighteningness and depression of like the moment when you – or the series of moments where you realise like the structures in society that you've been taught are ways that you can influence things or that people can influence things for the better have no power and aren't on your side. And so like not wanting to rec- reckon with that like void – um, where, like, the good part of the universe should be, I think I can understand why people psychologically don't go there. Because once you're like, okay, well, I leave the Labor Party, now what? You know, and the next thing in Australia, it's, you know, it's not clear if there's any it's the Greens. strong next things. The Greens! <laughs> Join sure, us. but, you know, like, we are we are tiny babies. Like the And, look, the, there's certainly places in Australia where I would find it pretty hard to be like, no, no, what you should do is join the Greens. Like, <laughs> Yeah, let's not say too many... Nice things about the Green Party, <laughs> about the Greens political party. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say, and this will be like one sentence, is that um, increasing the dole would be really good for the arts and that all of your favourite artists uh, were on the dole for much of their lives. Um, the, back when like the dole used to be much easier to get, that was a much more normal part of artists' lives and that's why art used to be better. It's true. Helen Garner, I was reading an interview with her the other day and she was like, well, as a single mum... And was living like in a share house in Fitzroy, like back when that was, you know, cheap to do in the 70s. And I didn't have any money and I was about to go and get my taxi license. And then someone told me that I could get the single mother's benefit. So I did. And oh, that was single like... single mother's benefit? Yeah. And that was how she became a writer, like by having that money. What so. happened to the single mother's benefit? I mm, honestly I po- couldn't possibly do, say. Who, do, who, do, who, who's cut that? <laughs> who's cut that the day after they gave it? The day um, of. The fucking the day, day of. of. Oh, sorry. Sorry. God. <laughs> God. Oh. All right. Oh, don't get me started on that. Let's, let's so wrap it up. Clear, that's uh, Julia Gillard. <laughs> yeah. So, just yeah, for just, those of you who don't know. Yeah. Just to be very yeah, yeah, That's right. Just to be very clear, on the same day that she gave the misogyny speech, which was defending Peter Slipper like one of the worst. Peter Slipper. Oh. Like, alleged sexual freak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't alleged, even know if you need an alleged, alleged on that. Given there's a massive defamation case going on. <laughs> that might not be true. We don't know. Someone else said that. Yeah, Just passing right. on the I mean, fact that somebody else said that. Yeah. Alleged. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and then cut the single parents' pension and pushed tens of thousands of women into homelessness um, as well as poverty, um, which is always good at times any to end on that. But I will say, look, one of the things I get frustrated about sometimes listening to a bunch of podcasts is it's a lot of negativity. <laughs> um, and, like, there is a positive path out of this. And a soon lot of the, like... we will find the thylacine. And we will and find the fucking... Around, that's guys. right. We will find Don't the thylacine. Worry. And as soon as we find the thylacine, <laughs> unemployment benefits will become, like, secure. They will become Can guaranteed. Can we do a deal with Morrison and, and Albanese? Be like, all right, fine. You guys don't want to work. But if we find the thylacine, do you agree to double the <laughs> Well, as soon as we find... Are we going to need, like, a full employment situation where we're all out there, like, making things better for the thylacine? Because <laughs> if, if they're going to want to come back and, yeah, like, breed but- and everything, we need to, like, elevate the vibe, like, revegetate. I, I didn't realise that I was 
pro the jobs guarantee until I understood the jobs guarantee was you were guaranteed to get paid if you're looking for the thylacine. Yeah, yeah. just or like whatever, like we... hiking in the mountains. You could be like in Mount Kutha. <laughs> if like you were spending, all, yeah, if yeah. you spend a good four days a week looking for the thylacine in your own way, you get $2,000 a week. You get $2,000 a week Sometimes you might want to look like on the astral realm or in different yeah. places. <laughs> just like think about the thylacine. Maybe it's at the pub. You don't know. Like, <laughs> how do you know until you check? Also, Sometimes like, you got to get in the mindset of the thylacine. Like think about the noises. Yep. A lot, a lot to do. Yep. Sometimes you meet other thylacine searches at the pub and you need to be up on the thylacine you like, search meetings. this course. It's consulting. It's a long term. It's a hegemonic project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. No, exactly. And Until we as a country phase. are ready for the thylacine, it's not going to be ready for us. The war of position is like... Doing campsites in northern Tasmania to look for So the, the first step is to give us money on Patreon and we'll make this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give us, like, to be very, very clear, if we get, like, I think Matt before said $50, but I think if we can get actually, to $75, we will not only find the thylacine, we'll also find the yowie. This is kind of embarrassing because yeah. we're already at, like, $95. Okay, don't Patreon. <laughs> right. uh, what we meant by that is in um, no, no, If you US as an individual dollars. give us. Yeah, US dollars because our paymasters are <laughs> Look, the CIA. I'm very willing to go back to Telebudra. It's lovely. I will look for the yowie. But look, the only thing I was going to say is that is it like going out, it's remarkable going out and talking to people about, like ordinary people about this politics. You, It's very encouraging that the political class is this little bunch of um, and uh, they do not represent what ordinary people think. And if you go out into the community and organise whatever project you're involved in, if you're in Queensland, it should be the Greens, I reckon. Um, there's ways to change this stuff. And if you're unemployed, the Australian Unemployed Workers Union is doing God's work in many places. Absolutely. And- Join them. Join them. There's no doubt in my mind that Labor would not have voted with the Greens like on our like $80 a week raise of the thing if not for the pressure that the AU, mm-hmm. WU troll farm has placed on. <laughs> troll farm. And if you yeah. have a lot of time on your hands, you could send us a picture of a thylacine. This could be like cheese TV. Yeah. You get a prize <laughs> for the best drawing. Yeah, send us, your, send us your best thylacines on Twitter. Post rare thylacines. <laughs> Any medium is, is fine. Twitter request? Post thylacine, sweetie? I don't know. Is that yeah. a thing? Um, if the first of our listeners to send us a verified photo of a thylacine. <laughs> we'll get one million dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, but they'll get a special, like, completely redacted episode that we've recorded that we couldn't publish any of them because it was so defamatory. <laughs> we say all our most cancellable things. Yeah, yeah. But the, it self-implodes that after us, like, just 24 before hours. The podcast, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that you're never going to hear about. Yeah. The alleged cast. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, cancelled cast. Cancel cast. You will get axed and one person gets it. If you find the thylacine, you get the cancel cast. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, get a skin check. Yes. Get, get, get a skin check. Oh, yeah. Get skin check. Get a skin check. Get a thylacine. Get even. Yes. All right. That's a great. All right. Leave it there. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.